0: Romans 4, 7 and 8, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, blessed is the man whose transgressions are covered. On Ash Wednesday, I talked about forgiveness, major theme, not just of the Lenten season, but it must be a major theme of one's entire life, because it isn't just during the 40 days of Lent, that you and I sin. Well spoken, Martin Luther. I daily sin much, whether it's Advent or Lent or Pentecost, Christmas or Easter Epiphany, I daily sin much and need God's forgiveness. When I preached about forgiveness on Ash Wednesday, I indicated what forgiveness can do to the person you forgive. You say, the person who sinned against me, I don't even know if they're on planet Earth any longer. I don't know where they live any longer. How can I go to them and say to them, you're forgiven? Granted, such is the case, I would think, 90% of the time. But if one had the opportunity to forgive someone else, I mentioned on Ask Wednesday what would occur. That person, most likely, who realized how deep their sin was against you, they made up some story, cost you your job at work. You had three children. Two years later, you were still looking for a job. They had lied about you. He hit your car broadside. It was his third DUI. Your wife and your child never really recovered from that. When people commit such sins, if there is any Christianity within them, those sins haunt them. And if one ever has the opportunity to go to that individual and say to them, I don't condone what you did. It was meant for evil. But God was with me in spite of what you did. And I want you to know that I forgive you. That's exactly what Joseph did in the Old Testament. We'll get to that later. I have told you many, many times that when I visit someone who is terminally ill, and we come down to the latter days, I'll always have a devotion with the family in that hospital room, or there at the house under hospice care, but I will always ask the family to leave the room so that I can talk with that individual privately. I ask them two questions. You know what they are. I ask them whether they believe there's life after this life. And then I ask them the question, is there anything that haunts you? Is there anything that makes it difficult for you to go into God's presence? And before I finish the sentence, it's already coming out like some poison that has been inside for a long, long time. They know the exact day, they know the person, they know the sin that was committed. And they, like so many of us, say, if I could have that moment over again, I would never, never, never have done that. I'm not that sort of person. Can God forgive that sin? And the answer is an obvious yes. I've often wondered if that person whom they had sinned against had had the opportunity to go to that individual and say, I forgive you, would the haunting of that sin been lifted? And I believe the answer is absolutely yes. When you forgive an individual, it lifts a broken spirit. It brings to life someone who's dying inside. It uplifts someone whose self-esteem has sunk to the lowest point, like the prodigal son. That's what forgiveness does when you offer it to someone else. I want to look at what forgiveness does to you. There are nine ingredients in the fruit of the Spirit. They are love, joy, peace. They are patience, kindness, goodness. They are faithfulness, gentleness, self control. If you look at the nine fruits of the Spirit, each of them has attached to them the word forgiveness. If there's love, there's forgiveness. If there's peace, there's if there's joy, if there's goodness, if there's faithfulness, if there's gentleness, if there's self-control. All nine aspects of the fruit of the spirit have the word forgiveness attached to them. There are three fruits of Satan that are particularly destructive. One is hatred. One is vengeance, one is anger. Solomon, who had many enemies. Solomon, who had seen his father David go through hell. Solomon said this, Proverbs 14, 29. If my heart is at peace, if I've forgiven an individual, if I've forgiven myself through the grace of God, if my heart is at peace, I have life. But if in my heart there is hatred, vengeance, and anger, then it rots my bones. That's the phrase that he used. If I have hatred, vengeance, and anger, it rots my bones. I have death in me, not life. Cancer invades the bones. It invades the liver, the lung, the pancreas. Hatred, anger, and vengeance, they do not invade the bones, the lungs, the liver, the pancreas. (laughs) Satan says, I don't mess with that stuff. I'm going to go straight to hearts. Hatred, anger, vengeance, they are a cancer that goes straight to the mind the soul, and the spirit. Satan says, I'm going to not mess with the organs of the body. I'm going to go straight to the person's guts, to their very being, to the part of them that is made in the image of God. That is why hatred, anger, and vengeance are so deadly. Cancer cannot define you. You might have a cancer that has a prognosis that is very, very low, pancreas or brain cancer. That does not define who you are. Cancer doesn't. But hatred, anger, and vengeance, they work from the inside, and they twist you, and they turn you, and they poison you. Your wife wonders why you're so angry all the time. It's because someone sinned against you and you never got rid of the anger and the hatred and the desire for vengeance. Your boss says to you, you're, you're great, but, you know, you, you get set off so easily. You go from one job to the next. Someone cuts you off in traffic and if it's That particular day when this rage is going on, you know what happens. Cancer doesn't define you, but hatred, anger, and vengeance do. Jesus hanging on the cross, can you imagine if he said, Father, I want you to forgive everybody, but not the Roman soldiers. They were laughing when they pounded the nails into my hands. Not the Roman soldiers who were laughing when they shoved a crown of thorns on my head. Not the Roman soldiers, as they beat my back raw, spit in my face, beat me till I was unrecognizable. Father, forgive them, but not them. I have such hatred to the Roman soldiers. I have such hatred to the chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees. Bunch of hypocritical phonies. Father, I'm going to die for everyone's sin, but not them. And not my disciples who ran away, and not Simon Peter who blasphemed and said, I don't know who the guy is. And Father, forgive all of them, but not these two thieves hanging next to me because they mocked me when we were first in this company. What if Jesus was dying for the sins of the world? and had the spirit of Satan in him, hatred, vengeance, anger. And not from the Son of God. When your children sin against you, when your teenagers break your heart, when your 35-year-old son or daughter breaks your heart, Do you have a hatred and vengeance and anger toward them? No. Why? Because you love them so much. The hatred and the 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 anger might be there, but it dissipates, right? Because you have this thing called love. And when Jesus is dying on that cross, He looks at the soldiers, he looks at the disciples who are nowhere around. He looks at the chief priests and Pharisees with their thumbs up, the dude's dead. And whatever hatred and anger is there, Satan's power has no power over the Son of God. It evaporates in this thing called love. When you forgive... You relinquish your right to hurt that person back. You say, I set myself free from you. Here's the irony with hatred. That was done to you 35 years ago. You have never let it go. Hatred's still intense. That person who hurts you 35 years ago, guess what? They still got their claws in you, crazy people. They still got their claws in you. What are you doing? And when you say, I forgive you, whether they're dead or alive and you don't know where they are, when your mind, spirit, and soul say, I forgive you, you take their talons and you remove them from you. You set yourself free from them. You set yourself free from them. Jesus said, Bring to me your burdens. And for so many of us, the burden is hatred and anger and vengeance. Bring to me your burdens, place them on my lap, leave them there. Walk away, and I will give you peace. Difficult, yes. Impossible, no. Difficult because this is a battle in the spiritual realm. And when you're battling things in the spiritual realm, my goodness gracious, you're going against Satan himself. But the one in you, first John four four, is stronger than the one in the world. And even as you as a parent can forgive a son or a daughter because your love is so strong, and even as Jesus can forgive as he's hanging on that cross, so can you and I. There is an operation needed. It will not be done at Northwestern Hospital or John Hopkins or Mayo's Clinic. There is an operation needing to be done. The physician will be the Holy Spirit. He will not go to your brain, your pancreas, or your liver. He will go to your spirit and your soul and your mind. Romans twelve two. And by the time that operation is finished, you'll be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world. The world says, get your vengeance. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, soul, and spirit. And as I've said many times lately, by the time that operation is done... Romans twelve 17, you'll be able to bless those who curse you. You'll be able to return no man evil for evil. You'll be able to overcome evil with good. Lent, three things. Repentance. Forgiveness. God to you, you to others transformation. You'll know the operation is successful when you actually pray for good to the individual you've hated for so long. Good for them, their health, their relationships. Because when you do that, you have obviously forgiven. They no longer have a hold of you for evil. You have turned their evil into good. Joseph said to his brothers, closing word, Joseph said to his brothers on that day, which you did to me, let's see now. He's 17 when he's thrown into the pit. He's 20 years of age when he's in charge of Potiphar's property. He gets thrown into prison, false accusations by Potiphar's wife in prison for 10 years now he's 30 years of age second in command to Pharaoh at that point. point seven good years now he's 37 seven bad years now he's 42 43 it has been 25 years since he's seen his brothers they come because of the famine They don't recognize him, not after 25 years. He recognizes them instantly. At the end of the story, what happens? When he reveals himself, he says to them, what you did to me was evil. He doesn't whitewash that. What you did to me was evil. What you did to me, you meant for my harm. But God has turned it into good. I forgive you. Repentance, forgiveness, transformation. In our Savior's name. Amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, I want my bucket called the soul filled with love, joy, peace. I do not want it filled with hatred, anger, vengeance. I cannot do it by myself, that operation. No human doctor can do it. Your spirit must. Not a bad time, Lord, during the season of Lent. To ask you to transform my spirit, to perform that operation. And whoever I have hated all of these years, help me to leave it behind here in the sanctuary, in your lap, forgiving that individual, walking away with your peace. As Mike Malley said, Satan, I know that's you knocking at my door, but I have Jesus in this circumstance is in his hands. In our Savior's name, amen.